Hey everyone, this is Jaron Hollis with the Believer's Church. I'm so happy that you're here today. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to this message. I pray that it inspires you, it challenges you, and it helps you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy. Good morning, good morning, Believer's Church. How are you doing today? Having fun in the house of God? Man, it's good to be here. I just want to say welcome. I see a lot of new faces in the room. Believers Church, make some noise for our guests. Whether you're here in person or you're watching online, it really does mean the world to us that you've taken the time out of your busy schedule to be here with us. It really does mean a whole lot. Y'all ready to get into the message? Let's do this. But can I take a breath first? I don't know if y'all noticed. But I was over there playing the drums like 30 seconds ago. I run through the back. I do a little halftime show in the back for everybody. I wipe the the drum sweat off so I can come out here and get the preacher sweat on. I'm a busy person. I like being busy. But how many of y'all know that today, nowadays, we can be too busy? We can have too much going on, but sometimes I like it that way. If you don't know, like <laughs> those Sundays, I'm kind of addicted to, oh, I play the drums, I get out, I preach. If I'm not preaching, then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm singing. If I'm not singing, I'm playing drums. If I'm not singing or playing drums or preaching, I'm editing a video. I'm always doing something, and can I admit something? I like it. I like always being on the move, but I think that there's something going on. I think that we're being programmed to always be on the move to always be moving, to always be busy, to always be hustling. We live in hustle culture. That if you're not hustling, you're not worth much. If you're not always moving, if you're always not making, or if you're not always making progress, you're not worth very much, right? About two years ago, though, I hit a wall. I was doing exactly what I'm doing now, but at a much, much faster pace. Always playing, always singing, always shooting videos for somebody, always preaching, always, 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 always. And then something happened on the inside of me, and I felt like something was wrong. I go to my wife, and I say, honey, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not okay. Can I be real? I'm not okay. And then I go into my bedroom, and I shut my door, and as a grown man, I lay on the floor, and I begin to weep and convulse. And I'm like, God, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just trying to be busy. I'm just trying to be productive. I'm just trying to do, I'm just trying to do your work. I'm just trying to minister. I'm just trying to lead people to Jesus, but I don't feel very Jesus-y. I don't feel very Christ-like, but that's how we live now, isn't it? We're always on. Everything's always fast. I don't know if you've noticed this. This is for the 18 and under crowd. I'm going to tell you some things that might shock you. They might blow your mind. But years ago, we didn't send email. We sent a letter in the mail. 
right? You had to slow down. You had to take time. You had to write a letter if you wanted to send. It, when we wanted to get a hold of somebody, we didn't text people. We picked up the phone and made a phone call. And if you couldn't get a hold of somebody on the other end of the phone, you had to leave a voice message on a small tape in a recorder at their house connected to the thing in their kitchen. What are you talking? Well, listen, listen. Before there was text messaging, till, till Steve Jobs kicked open the door and made text messaging accessible to everybody. Anybody remember T9 texting where you had to hit the same button four times to get to the letter that you wanted? <laughs> Horrible. Thank you, Steve Jobs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for swipe texting. Instead of focusing on a task, a singular task, we prioritize multi Tasking. I don't know about you. I am terrible at multitasking. If you have me do 10 different things, you're only going to get me to be 10% effective at all those different things. I can be a, a jack of all trades and terrible at all. Multitasking is not for me. My wife does it well. I do not do it well. Instead of cooking a dinner, we opt for the microwave, don't we? If we have the option, instead of letting something ship to us in three to five days, we will take overnight shipping, right? Every single time. Y'all are going to have to forgive me. I'm dating myself. There used to be this place long ago called Blockbuster. Oh, Blockbuster. I loved Friday nights because I would go to Blockbuster, and I would roam the halls and corridors of Blockbuster hoping that I would pick something out that wasn't a turd, right? I was like, dear Lord, please let this be the thing. I don't want to ruin the weekend for me and all my friends. And then I would leave there and I would go to a place called Pizza Hut and I would get the pizza, take it home, and I would sit through that movie whether it was good or not. But now you can just stream anything, but you don't care about anything. You can just stream it. Instead of going 65 on the Gene Snyder, you go 85 because you know no police officers are watching Louisville. Right? <laughs> We're always trying to go faster. We're always trying to speed up. Instead of sending somebody a personal invite or going and talking to somebody and asking somebody to come to your birthday party, you send an evite on Facebook and you think that's an appropriate means of communication. It's not. Everything's faster. Everything's move, move, move. Go, go, go. <laughs> and these things I'm talking about are things that I wrote in my journal about two years ago. That everything feels faster. Everything feels like it's moving at light speed. But I feel like I'm breaking down. Something feels like it's wrong. Something feels like it's breaking. I'm breaking, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to slow down. I can't slow down. I can't stop. I can't rest. Because if I slow down, if I stop, if I rest, I'm not a good person. You ever felt that way? If I'm not productive... If I'm not always on the move, if I'm not always running at top speed, I'm not a good person. I said, I'm not feeling very Christ-like right now. And I asked myself this question because I felt so disconnected from people and I felt so disconnected from God. I felt so disconnected from Jesus 
I sat down and I wrote this question and the question that I'm asking myself two years ago is the question I'm gonna ask you today. It's the title of this message. Am I too busy for Jesus? Am I too busy for Jesus? It seems simple because we sit there and we go, well, maybe not. But we're always on the move. We're always running. We're always in a hustle. We're always go, go, going until our goer is goed out. And we say, I'm not a good person. If I don't slow down, if I don't stop, if I don't rest, I am not a good person. But the truth of the matter is this. If you don't slow down, you're not a good person. If you are always hustling, guess what? You and God and nobody else, nobody is getting the best version of you when you're in a hurry. You're missing it. Nobody ever, when, when you are in a hurry, you are never at your best when you are in a hurry. You are never at your best when you are in a hurry. What, what are you, I don't know what you mean by that. When's the last time you went from your main job and you hustled across town at 90 miles an hour to get to your side hustle so that you could make more money and you're out of breath just trying to get there on time so you're not late and you stop and think to yourself, man, I feel like I'm living a really balanced life right now. I feel really good about myself. When was the last time that you were in a hurry somewhere and you loved your kids well in the process? When's the last time you were in a hurry and you listened, men, when you were in a hurry and you listened to your wife well? I heard a couple of women that were like, I'm going to try to clap on this to see if I can get something started. Can I share a story with you real quick? Years ago, I was on a ministry trip. And I'm not going to share the names or the identities of the people that were on this trip with me. But I was on a ministry trip years ago with some well-known ministers, preachers, teachers, pastors, musicians, worship leaders. We were at this conference for three days. And these guys were up there preaching the word of God teaching, bringing down the fire. And they were on that stage and they sounded a whole lot like Jesus. The three days comes to the end and we go to sleep. We wake up and guess what? We got to get on a plane. Problem is we wake up late. <laughs> oh man, we're throwing all of our clothes, all our belongings, everything, because we got to get on the van so that we can get in the van so we can get to the airport so we don't miss our flight. And we're just about to miss our flight. We are rushing through the airport at top speed and we come to the line that everybody loves called the TSA. Oh Lord, the TSA. Man, this thing is moving so slow, but we do the thing that everybody does at the TSA line. We start getting out all of the electronics that are larger than an iPhone. You get out your iPhone, your iPad, your Game Boy, your whatever, your laptop. We're all getting all of it out. And then one of the ministers reaches into their laptop bag and they start doing this. Fear is all over their face. Oh no. And then they shout out, Where's my laptop? Where's my laptop? Oh my goodness, I, oh my Lord, I left my laptop at the hotel. We, we gotta go back, and I'm like, we can't go back. We're already almost late. 
We cannot go back. Call the hotel. See if they can find it. See if they can ship it to you. They pick up their phone. They call the hotel. Nobody answers. We got, man, you got to hang up the phone. We got to get to the TSA line right now because if we don't get to the gate, the plane is taking off without us and I'm not staying here for another day. You ever been in that kind of hurry? We get to the TSA line. We're booking it like Kevin McAllister's family in Home Alone. We turn around this corner and we see the gates. And we are booking it. And one of the ministers isn't looking where they're going. There's an elderly couple just to their left. And he nearly knocks down this elderly man's wife. Man of God. And the old man turns as he tries to stabilize his wife and hold her up. And he goes, hey, watch it, buddy. And this minister who had lost their laptop swings around, points his finger in the face of the old man and says, not flipping today, buddy. But he used a different F word. And I'm standing back and I'm watching and I'm going, I, weren't you just preaching the gospel? Nobody gets the best version of you when you're in a hurry. I got home, I called my dad, we talked about it, and he said, Jaron, I just want to apologize. I shouldn't have acted that way at the airport. I really should. <laughs> stay back, stay back. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Pastor Randy. It was Pastor Renee, my mom. She's the one that blew up. No, no. Here's the thing. I, truth is, don't come to me after service asking me who did it. It wasn't anybody in this building, but I'm not going to tell you. And the reason why I'm not going to tell you is because I don't want you measuring somebody's entire ministry off of one mistake, one weak moment, one sinful step outside of the will of God. We love doing that, though, don't we? We love... Woo! When we're in a hurry, here's the truth. We don't live well. When we're in a hurry, we don't love well. When we are in a hurry, students, Believers University, high school, college, when we are in a hurry, we don't learn and listen well. People that are managers, pastors, CEOs, if you're watching online, if you are always in a hurry, guess what? You can't lead well in a hurry. Christians, believers, you can't follow Jesus well if you're always in a hurry. It's simple, but we overlook it. There's this book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor. He's an authority figure in this area. You should read the book. It's amazing. He says this. He said, one day he hit a wall on this subject because he was leading a church. <laughs> he was leading a church that grew by over a thousand every single year for seven years straight. And he said that he was burnt out to a crisp. It was always email. It was always this. It was always that. It was always meetings. It was always doing things in the name of Jesus, but he didn't feel very much like Jesus. He said it hit him like a brick wall one day. He said, 
I realized that you could be a successful pastor in America and an absolute failure as an apprentice of Jesus Christ at the same time. Holy moly. Oh. Last year, we, in our first year of Believers University, how many of you guys were here for Pastor Landon Galloway, Dr. Landon Galloway? Did you enjoy him? An amazing doctor of the New Testament, a professor of the New Testament, brilliant mind. He showed us something in Believers University last year, and I want to share it with you. He said there's this old ancient Hebrew phrase. It's more of a blessing than anything else. And it basically says this. It says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. What in the world does that mean? Watch, listen. May you follow. Do you know what a rabbi is? Can I stop for a second right there? We'll press pause and I'll step in here for a second. A rabbi was an ancient teacher of rabbinic law, the Hebrew Bible. It w- they would teach you how to live, how to walk, how to act, how to think, how to love, how to live, how to have joy, how to, how to be like God. A rabbi, and this phrase says, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. So what does that phrase mean? It's a blessing saying, if you have decided to follow somebody on their way to God, may you follow your teacher, your master, so closely that the dust that kicks up from the back of their heels covers you as you follow them so closely. Pretty crazy, right? The problem is, is there are too many of us nowadays, we are not covered in the dust of our rabbi Jesus. We're moving too fast that we're leaving Jesus in the dust. We're moving so quickly that we're not following Jesus closely. If we're doing anything, we're following Jesus at a distance. We're not close enough to him to live like him, to love like him, to listen like him, to learn like him, to pour our lives out before God and other people like Jesus. Take a side note. I got, man, y'all are doomed. I got 20 minutes left. This is going to be so good. We can fill up churches We can build mega churches in the name of Jesus Christ and fill the building up full of people that look nothing like Jesus Christ. Because we're not following him closely enough. Well, Jaron, you just don't understand. I'm busy. I got stuff to do. We... Oh, man, we wear busy like a badge of honor. When somebody asks you how you're doing, what you're doing, what do we say? Oh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. I'm just really busy. You know what you're saying? You're basically saying, ah, it's like like the most humble brag in the world. It's like, oh, I'm doing so good. But, man, I never stop. And I hope you think a lot of me because of it. The question is, is does God think a whole lot of you because of it? I'm doing good, just busy. The problem is, is we have no idea how bad the hurry is hurting us. I'm going to share a quote with you. 
one of my favorite authors. Her name, she's gone on now. She's, she's left us. She's gone on to be with Jesus. Her name was Corey Ten Boom. What a great name, Corey Ten Boom. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't forget this name, Corey Ten Boom. It's a great name. This is what she had to say about busyness. This is what she had to say about hurry. She said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Oh, my goodness. What does that mean? If the devil can't make you sin, if he can't lure you into darkness, he'll keep you so busy that you're disconnected from God. Both sin and busyness, both sin and hurry have the exact same effect on our lives, our minds, our hearts, our souls. They, di they, they disconnect us. They cut us off from the presence of God and they cut us off from other people that are a part of the body of Christ. Oh, how busy we are. The devil's got us believing this crazy lie that you can be holy and in a hurry at the same time. You can't be holy and in a hurry at the same time. You can't do it. Oh, Jaron, that sounds really self-righteous. No, 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 no. You're not understanding. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Jesus was never in a hurry. Do you know what it means to be holy? A lot of us have this image of smug self-righteousness, that you wear the right clothes, you walk the right way, you sound the right way, you don't wear pants, you don't wear earrings, you never wear makeup if you're a woman, you never swear, you never mess up. You look the part on the outside but it doesn't matter what the inside of the cup looks like. That's how we have a wrong view of holiness. Holiness means to be set apart. Set apart, different from the inside out. Set apart, different. Can I just tell you this? That Jesus does not live at the pace of the world that we live in today. You cannot be holy. You cannot be set apart. You can't love different. You can't learn different. You can't listen different. You can't live different. You can't have different joy, different peace, different kindness, different patience. You can't have those different things if you don't walk at the pace of Jesus. And Jesus does not move at the pace of our world in the 21st century. He just doesn't. You can't be holy, you can't be separate, you can't be set apart, you can't be different like Jesus and move at the same pace of the world today. You can't do it. So I've noticed something that's happened every time we do 21 days of prayer here at the Believer's Church. We do 21 days of prayer twice a year. We come in, we come in at 6.30 at night and we pray until 7.30 for an hour. We just say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna shut everything else in my life out and I'm gonna come to the church. I'm gonna sit in the presence of God. I'm going to pray. And after about a week passes, something start, ha starts happening in the lives of other people. It's insane. People start coming up to me and they say crazy things. They go, you're not gonna believe this. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> you're not gonna believe this. But I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I feel like somebody said my name. And it wasn't pizza. I think it was God. I heard something. Jaron, you're never, something is going on on the inside of me. I, I, I feel like I've been numb. I feel like I've been the walking dead for so long. I've been walking through this life like a zombie, but I've been praying for the last two weeks. I've been sitting in the presence of God and something alive, something is coming alive inside of me and I don't know how to explain it. And I'm like, I do. 
Somebody actually came up to me and they said, I don't know what it is, but after about two weeks of this, when I go home and I go to bed, I actually, I don't just fall asleep, I rest better. And I think I figured out exactly what's going on. Those individuals have prioritized being in the presence of God more than being productive. They've prioritized cutting out time in their life to be in the presence of the almighty God and because of it, they're coming alive. But then I watched something tragic happen. 21 days of prayer ends and that time that they spent in the presence of God goes away. And they start to get tired and they start to get weary and they start to get worn out and the light in their eyes starts to go dim. Any of y'all in this room tired? Any of you tired? You worn out? Okay, we got five honest people in this room. Very good. We're tired. We're worn out. We're busy. So I have this question. Is Jesus ever in a hurry? I started getting really curious about this, and I started studying the Word of God, and I found something. I'm like, man, every single place I look in the New Testament, this guy is never in a hurry. I look, and it's like Jesus over here, and Jesus walked. And I look over here, and Jesus walked, and Jesus walked, and Jesus walked. Well, surely he's out on the water. He's going to be sprinting across the water because he's afraid to fall in. No, even he walks across the water. Jesus walks everywhere. A leisurely stroll, never in a hurry. He's always busy about what his father is doing, but he's never too busy for the blind man. He's never too busy... For the orphan, he's never too busy for the widow. He's never too busy for the demon-possessed. He's never too busy. See, the Bible says this. Jesus actually says this. He says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. People are always trying to talk Jesus into doing stuff before his time. They're always trying to get him to hurry up, hurry up, and he's always pulling back the reins and saying, no, 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 no. You're trying to get me to run. I'm not running anywhere. Why? Because I'm trying to spend time with the Father. I'm trying to slow down. I'm trying to be with him. And Jesus, this Jesus that never runs anywhere, he's never in a hurry, he's never in a rush, he makes us this amazing promise He's speaking, he's preaching, he's teaching to an Old Testament crowd, but I have this feeling that he takes the lens of the camera and he's looking at us right here, right now in the 21st century. And I want to read to you what he says in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is what he says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me. I'm going to stop. Hit pause right there. Don't go anywhere. Take my yoke on you. How many of you all know what a yoke is? If you're thinking of the thing in the middle of the egg, that's not it. How many of you ever seen two horses or two ox or two cattle bound together by the neck? 
the wooden thing that's over their necks that's holding them together is called a yoke. It binds one of the ox, maybe preferably a younger ox or a younger horse or a mule to a more mature, more steady-paced animal, right? And it forces that younger, inexperienced livestock to walk at the slow seasoned pace of the more mature one as they move forward. So now you have an idea, an image of what a yoke is. Jesus says, take my yoke, my yoke on you and learn from me. Bind yourself to me. Pair yourself up to me. Lock your neck and my neck together so that you can't run even if you wanted to. Oh, take my yoke on you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Nobody else is making this promise. What other master is making this promise? What other parent is making this promise? Are our churches making this promise? Dream team? Who's making this promise? Come work for us at Humana. All who are weary and heavy burdened, and you will find rest for your souls. Come work at Target, <laughs> where our yoke is easy and our burden is light. No, come work at Walmart. I'm not even going to go there. You know that's a lie. No, come work at McDonald's, where we will give you life to the full. Nobody's making that promise because they know they can't. They might say, come work for us where you're going to work five extra shifts and maybe you'll be able to afford that Disney vacation after you serve me for three years. Talk about slavery. Jesus says, come, you'll find rest for your souls. Verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy to bear and my load, it's not hard to carry. If you bind yourself to me, it's easy. It's not just easy. You'll find rest. I like that promise. Can I read this to you out of the message by Eugene Peterson? I believe this is an, a, an amazing paraphrase, but let's do an experiment. I want you to close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes, put out all the distractions, and I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to just pretend, use your imagination like Jesus is speaking this over you right now. Just focus on the words. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on false religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. <laughs> Not a two-week vacation that you spend all your money on and you come back to an empty bank account, I'll show you how to take a real rest right now. Walk with me. Listen to that. Walk with me. Don't run. Don't hurry. Don't sprint. Walk with me and work with me. 
Use your eyes and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I'm not going to lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You can open your eyes now. Do you want that promise? Isn't that amazing? Ask yourself that question. Who else is giving you that promise? Nobody. Only Jesus. Jesus is the only master that says, slow down. Stop. Relax. Rest. And this isn't the first time he said it. Let's go back to the Old Testament for just a second. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. He created the sky and the land. He created the sea, all the animals, all the bushes, everything that creepeth and crawleth did and, and swam did. <laughs> everything that flew in the sky. He made man and he said, you don't need to be alone, bro. Here's a woman. And then it says he stepped back. After he made everything, and even God had the sense to delight in what he had done and rested. It's not the first time he said it's okay to slow down. He actually said it's a requirement. If you want to live a healthy life, we'll get to that next week. Oh. But, Jaron, I get what you're saying. I don't want to slow down. You see... I grew up poor. I grew up in the hood. I grew up knowing that if you wanted to make a difference, if you wanted to have the house, if you wanted to have the two-car garage, if you wanted to have the two acres of land, if you wanted to have your own space, if you wanted to, you had to hustle. Jaron, you don't understand. I'm trying to give my family, I'm trying to give my kids the life I never had. I'm, I'm making progress. I'm making money while the sun's shining. That's great. You're making money, but you missed your marriage. You're making money, but you missed your kids growing up. You're making money, but you're not making much of an impact in the kingdom of God. You might be making progress, but you missed out on making memories with your friends and your family and your church. You hustled, but you hustled your way right out of a relationship with God. The God that you were too busy to sit down with. Musicians, you can come. Oh my goodness, Holy Spirit, she is already there. That is crazy. That's God moving. He knew. I, Jaren, I hear you, but I'm... <laughs> I hear what you're saying about progress and making money and hustling in the world, but I don't, I don't do any of that. I'm making a difference in the kingdom of God with my ministry. I'm doing the work of the kingdom careful believers church careful pastors careful worship leaders careful children's ministry leaders careful dream team 
you might be so obsessed with productivity that you worked your way right out of the presence of God. Can I share one last Bible story with you before we leave? I think it'll resonate with you. This is the story of two women, one by the name of Mary and the other by the name of Martha. Some of y'all that grew up in church are like, oh, no, I know exactly where he's going with this. Because you either know a Martha in your life or you are a Martha. Jesus is busy, uh, busy with ministry, and he's going from town to town, from house to house. He's ministering people. He's never running. He's never in a hurry. He's never at a fast pace. He's always trying to figure out how to rest. And it says that Jesus, Luke 10, 38 through 42, says this, that Jesus entered a certain village where there was a woman, and her name was Martha, welcomed him as a guest. Martha had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he said. This is where it gets good. Don't miss this. Pay attention. Whew. But Martha was distracted. Look at your neighbor and say distracted. See, in its original context here, the word distracted means to be pulled away from something or someone by service. It says this, that Martha was pulled away from Jesus in service to Jesus. What? Read. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations she had to make. So she came up to him and said, how many of y'all ever tried to tell God what to do? Oh, watch this. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work alone? Don't you care? I have, I have prepared my house. I have cleaned it completely. I have cut up the Subway sandwich perfectly for the small group with Jesus. And she's just sitting over there, lazy, slow, stopping, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? I'm working three jobs alone with no man trying to raise three kids. Don't you care? I'm working 60 hours a week just to make ends meet. Jesus, don't you care? I'm trying to give my kids the life I never had. Don't you care? I came in after working 60 hours a week and taking care of kids all week long, and I sang in the choir. Don't you care, Jesus? Jesus, I come in every single Sunday and I try to teach the middle school kids, but they're mean. Jesus, you didn't ever have to teach middle school on Sunday morning. It's a war zone. Lord, I'm working hard. Don't you care? Jesus, tell her to help me. Because I'm over here. I'm doing the important thing. I'm doing the thing that matters most. I'm hustling. I'm making progress. And she's over there being a sloth, sitting, just staring at you. Make her get up. Make her help me. 
You want to know what Jesus says next? Mm. But the Lord answered her. Jesus looked Martha right in the face and he said, Martha, oh, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. (laughs) You're trying to make ends meet. You're trying to pay all the bills. You're trying to afford three cars when you could just share one. You're cleaning three rooms in your house that are empty because the kids are gone. Why don't you just sell and downsize so you can spend more time with me? Martha, you are worried and anxious and upset about many, many things. Verse 42, but only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the best part. You're over here worried about your lawn looking just right. You're worried about making sure that the Thanksgiving meal is prepared perfectly so that the in-laws don't start fighting and you can keep them distracted. You're trying to do all the wrong things. And Mary is over here and she has chosen the one thing that is right. Can I tell you, Martha, the one thing that she's chosen won't be taken away from her. She chose the best part. She chose exactly the right thing. Jaron, I hear you, but it's hard. I'm, I'm, I'm just so busy. I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm, I'm working for God. Stop. Slow down. Don't be so busy building the kingdom of God that you don't have time for the king. Did you know that he wants to sit at the table with you? He wants to talk with you. He wants to rest with you. He wants you to relax. We're so busy, we don't even have time to sit at the feet of Jesus. We don't have time to come in and sit at the feet of our master. Oh, I'm going to get real, real with you for a second. I don't have to go to God to write a message. What did you just say? I don't have to go to God to write a message. I can go to Google for that. I can Google a 30-minute message on forgiveness faster than I can flip open my Bible. I can have a chat GPT or an AI write something up for me in 45 seconds flat. I can get into the kitchen and I can work on a meal and I can try to prepare it just right and add the spice that I think will get you messed up. But unless I've invited the master into the kitchen, it's not very nourishing. My ministry doesn't matter much. It doesn't amount to much unless I've sat at the feet of the master. And the thing is, the truth is, is that you know it. People know it. They can tell the difference. I've experienced it. I've experienced the pats on the back on Sundays where I've been too busy to sit down with Jesus. But I prepared a message and people come up to me and they pat me on the back and they go, oh, Jaron, you did a great job today. Then there are Sundays 
when I get up and I get out of the way because I've sat with Jesus and something flows out of me that I didn't think about, that I didn't prepare fully, but he moves through it. And people come up to me and they go, oh my goodness, I've never heard it that way. I've never experienced it that way. You did a really good job writing that sermon. I like how the older crowd comes and talks to me about it because they come up to me because they recognize what they're seeing. They come up to me and they go, oh, son, oh, young man, God was all over you. You spent time sitting in the presence of God, didn't you? You have a relationship with the master. People can tell the difference. Your ministry doesn't amount to much if you haven't spent time with the master. Your marriage doesn't mean much unless you spend time. Your time with your children, your time with your coworkers. You can try to produce a life of productivity, but unless you've sat with the master, it will not amount to much. Oh, you love your spouse differently. You love your kids differently. You love your friends differently. You love your coworkers differently. Get this, you might actually even love your in-laws differently if you sat at the feet of the master. Why don't we stand Sharon, I'm not sure I fully agree with you on this. I'm going to deliver something to you real quick. Jesus said it this way. He said, I am the vine. I am the vine. I am the river of living water. I am the vine. And you, you are the branches. <laughs> if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. I'm the vine. If you stay with me, if you dwell with me, if you sit at my feet every morning, every night, if you turn off the Joe Rogan podcast in your car and you just make room for me, if you remain in me and I remain in you, if you study my words five minutes, if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit, but up from me you can't do anything this is the Jesus that is promising you rest this is the Jesus that is promising you a life of more a life of fulfillment a life of joy a life of love but apart from him you can't do it you can get out there you can hustle you can try to make progress I wish somebody would uh, no, I don't want to get into next week. Whew. I don't want to get into next week. I've already taken a lot of your time. If you want rest, if you're tired, if you're worn out, if you're sick of trying to hustle through this life and you think to yourself, there's got to be a better way. You've heard about it today. There is a better way. If you want rest, come down. If you're tired of being distracted, come down. If you want to fill yourself up with Jesus, come down. If you want more than the hustle, if you want more than busyness, come down. If you want to set some time aside and you want to start making a habit of sitting at the feet of Jesus, come down. Why wait? Are you, are you so satisfied with hustle? 
Are you so satisfied with your busyness? I get it that when we're always running, everything's a blur and it's hard to see what matters. But this is what matters. Why don't you raise your hands right here, right now? And if you're in the seats, raise your hands toward the front. God can meet you right where you're at. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right now. The same prayer that needs to be prayed over people that are dealing with a Martha spirit, a Martha mindset, a Martha pace, a Martha attitude. Lord, help us. If we are trying to move at the pace of the 21st century, I'm afraid that we are not moving at your pace. We are not living like you. We are so fast. We are in such a hurry that we are disconnected from you and we don't look anything like you and our life isn't producing any fruit. We're worn out. We're tired. We're exhausted and we know that we need you. So if you're here with me right now, go ahead and sit at the feet of the master right where you're at. It doesn't matter. You can get on your knees. You can sit in your chair. You can stand. But invite him and sit down at the feet of the master right now. If you want to accept him into your life, if you know that you need a real relationship with him, you can go ahead and sit down. You can kneel. You can put your hands out. Let's take the next few moments. Let's not be in such a hurry to get to Olive Garden that we miss out with time, on time with the master. Let's spend some time with him right here, right now. Jesus, we welcome you. We welcome you and we call you. We say we want to spend time at your feet and we want to know you. We want to live after you. We want to look like you. We want to love like you. We want to learn like you. We want to live like you. We want your peace. We want your joy. We know that there is no other way. Jesus, we're here and we're waiting. And we're not in a hurry. We just want to sit at your feet for a moment, Jesus. If we've been living too fast for you, Jesus, if we've been moving too quick, to prioritize a relationship with you. Jesus, please forgive us.